himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then I want you to skip down to verse number 24, if you will, same chapter. And the Bible says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent, In the spirit he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace, for he mightily, this is talking about Apollos now, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And you may be seated uh, this morning. I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject, from tent makers to teachers. From tent makers to teachers. Uh, Our Bible is so chocked full of truth that if you're not careful, a lot of times, a lot of times we'll read, we'll read things and we'll read right over a great truth. We really will. And I believe, and maybe you didn't get it right off the bat, but I believe we just read a great one just now. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I'm not going to preach long this morning. And so let me ask you to, uh, you know, unless it's an absolute emergency, if you can really stay, you know, stay put this morning. I, I know that, you know, there are people here this morning and maybe you don't feel like you need a whole lot, you know. Maybe everything's going great this week for you and you're just sort of footloose and fancy free. But please understand that, that although you're feeling like that, there's somebody here this morning that just sort of spiritually speaking and emotionally speaking, they just sort of crawled in. And man, they, they need something from God so bad today. And the last thing in the world we want to do is distract anybody. Amen. And so you help us help us with that. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I promise you I won't preach long this morning uh, unless the Lord tells me to. And I don't think he's going to. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning from tent makers to teachers. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. And thank you for the house of God. And thank you for the people of God. And thank you for the Spirit of God. And I pray now that your Holy Spirit would work in a great way. Father, that he would open our hearts and our minds and our understanding. And Father, that you would give us a great truth from the Word of God today. Father, I pray that you would help us to grow. That's really what I want to talk to our folks about today is growing, growing, growing in their spiritual life. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not being satisfied with that, Lord, just that status quo, just, uh, Lord, getting saved, and that's it. That's as far as they ever go. They never grow in the Lord. Father, there's more to the Christian life than that. And so I pray today that you'll help us to grow in our Christian walk. And, uh, Lord, give us power, and, and I pray that you'll bless in the remainder of the service and help the Word of God to come alive in our hearts and our minds. May Jesus Christ receive all the glory and the praise and the honor, and it's in his wonderful and precious name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Well, you know what? Often in the New Testament, and especially in the book of Acts, a lot of times we're drawn to some of the, what we, what we would call the great and the famous characters of the Bible. Now, they don't think they're great. The apostle Paul didn't think he was great. In fact, Paul said that I'm the chiefest of sinners. It was Paul that said, woe is me. 
He said, for I'm undone. He said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. He said, man, just, a, just the chiefest of sinners. And so uh, it was Peter. It was Peter who, when Peter was crucified, uh, Peter said, you know what? Don't crucify me like the Lord. Uh, history says that they crucified Peter upside down because the apostle Peter didn't feel like that he was worthy of being crucified in the same fashion as the Lord was. And so a lot of times when we're reading through the book of Acts and we're reading through the, uh, through the New Testament, a lot of times we'll focus on those famous people and truly were. Uh, they were men of great power and great preaching and great miracles. I, I thought about the apostle Paul as uh, the young man fell out of the window. Remember that story? Uh, the service went late into the night. The young man fell out of the window from the, the third loft and the Bible says he was dead. Paul went down there and raised him back to life again. And uh, I think about the different miracles that those great men did. But today, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you about some of those, what we call famous or great characters of the Bible. But today I want to focus on some folks that you don't often hear about. Two by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. Now these were not evangelists in the common sense, although they were evangelists, not, uh, not, uh, maybe not like Billy Graham or, uh, you know, or, uh, or some of these others, but they were evangelists in the way of they were leading people to Christ and, and getting people to the, to the Savior. They were not apostles. Aquila and Priscilla were not pastors. Now, now follow this. Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers. That's what they were. They were tent makers. They were, they were, a, were people, were a couple that practiced a trade. We would call them blue-collar workers. That's what they were. There was nothing special. If you would have saw Aquila and Priscilla, you would have just thought they were any other couple in the church. There was nothing necessarily that, that stood out about them. Uh, you know what? They, they were the kind of people who would probably never have their name in the sword of the Lord. They, uh, probably, you never probably would find an article about them in Christianity today. They were just a, uh, an everyday common uh, couple in the church that, that uh, practiced the trade, that were tent makers by trade. But here we find tent Maker, uh, tent makers, and if I could say it like this, lay people in the church, not pastors. They were not necessarily on staff. As far as we know, Aquila was not even a deacon. But here were some lay people in the church who are teaching a young man in the ministry, Apollos. Now understand something, church. It's not a young man in the ministry teaching the lay people. It is the lay people teaching the young man in the ministry. And I think that is important. Aquila and Priscilla, having been with Paul, these lay people had grown so much, I mean so much, that they're able actually to instruct a passionate young man in the ministry by the name of Apollos. The Bible says that Apollos was instructed in the way of the Lord. He, he knew some things about Christ. He, he had heard some things. That's what that sort of means by hearsay and rumors and, and just talking to different people. He had heard some things about the Lord and he was very passionate about his ministry. He was very passionate about that. But the Bible says that when Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos, they took him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Look at it, if you will, in Acts chapter 18. And look at verse number 26. I think this is beautiful. The Bible says, and, and he, talking about Apollos, and by the way, Apollos is known as a silver tongue. And by the way, he became a very prominent leader in the early church. But the Bible says in verse 26, and he began to speak boldly 
in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. By the way, boy, notice that right after that, God begins to use Apollos in a great way. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, was Christ. And so as a lay person, boy, I I thought this was interesting, that here are two lay people in the church, and here's a young, let's just say it like this, here's a young preacher boy that comes into the church, and the guy's got a passion. He's got a zeal. And how many know that sometimes young people have a zeal, but that zeal is not always according to knowledge? And he comes into the, in the, into the church, and, man, he's got a great way of communicating, and, and people enjoy hearing him. In fact, as I said, he became, becomes a prominent leader in the church, and people begin to follow Apollos. And, uh, but he comes into the church, and he's got a real passion. But the Bible says that Aquila and Priscilla, and I believe they've done it in a, a spirit of humility, But Aquila and Priscilla take Apollos and they say, Apollos, can we just have a little time with you? And we'd like to to take you and teach you and train you about the way of God. And while I'm saying that, church, may I say this? We desperately need some older Christians to pour into the younger Christians. I'm going to tell you, I think think probably that's a void in our churches nowadays. Now, I'm not going to make you turn there, but I want you to to listen to what Titus tells us in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 3. The Bible says the aged women, that's the older, the more mature women, the aged women likewise, that they be in behaviors become with holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise. In other words, in other words, older ladies, you need to take these younger ladies under your wing and you need to teach them what you know about the Bible. And then the Bible says, the Bible says, young men, likewise. In other words, fellas, you older guys need to take these young men, these young adults, these teenage boys, you need to take them under your wing. And the Bible says, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Listen, church, that's all I'm saying. How in the world can we expect our young people who are coming up in the next generation, how can we expect them to know what to do and to do it right when we're not taking the time to teach them? Now, that's very simple preaching this morning, but I'm just saying this. I wonder maybe if God would get a hold of one of our older men in the church today and God would just burden your heart to say, you know what, I don't know that much, preacher, but I'll tell you what I will do. I'll take what I know and I'll take one of these young men in the church and I'll try to befriend him, by the way, not in a critical way, not in a cynical way, but go over to him and put your arm around him and say, buddy, I'm proud of you for coming to church. I'm proud of you for coming to the youth group. I'm proud of you that even though you've graduated, you're still coming to church faithfully. And I tell you what, I'd like to just be your friend and teach you what I know. I don't know that much, but I want to try to teach you what I know about the things of the Lord. Hey, amen. Oh, I feel strong about that. Wouldn't it be great if we had older ladies in our church who, who have good, solid, happy marriages who could go alongside of these young ladies and say, hey, let me share with you what I'm doing. Let me share with you how to keep your husband happy. Church, that's a need. 
That is a need, absolutely. Wouldn't it be great if we had some older fellows who, man, you, you, you've studied the Bible for a while. You've been in church for a while. You've been down that road for a while. Who would go to these young men and say, hey, let me tell you how I study the Bible. Let me tell you what I've done to support my family. Let me tell you some things that you need to do to, to learn to take care of your wife. Let me, let me teach you some things that you never say to your wife and some things that you always say to your wife. Yes, dear. Amen. That's right. And uh, no, I'm, I'm picking. But man, that's what I'm. But that's what I'm preaching. You know what? That lay people would 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 come to that place, and somebody says, "Well, that's the preacher's job." That's not what the Bible says. Now it is the pastor's job to equip the saints and to mature you in your Christian life. But I am saying this: the church body ought to come alongside the pastor. And ought to get these young ladies. And by the way, I can't teach these young ladies. And my wife can't teach them all. But we need some other good godly ladies in our church who who will say, I'm going to walk with Jesus and I'm going to be spiritual and I'm going to teach them what I know. Listen, I'm trying to get in the message, but I'm having a hard time this morning. Listen, you know how many young ladies don't know the first thing about sewing? You'd probably be shocked this morning if you knew how many young ladies sitting in this this church this morning who don't know the first thing about washing a load of clothes. I mean, do darks go with lights? And does, uh, you know, uh, how do you put the detergent in? And and, I'm, I'm just telling you, we're living in that society where if the dishwasher breaks down, we have a major dilemma in our home. I mean, it's like, you know, preacher, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. I guess we'll just have to start throwing the dishes away. <laughs> well, there's this thing that's called a dish rag and dish detergent, and you run water, and you put it in anyway. I'm just saying, brother, we, we are struggling, and a lot of times we're really down on our young people, but the truth of the matter is the reason our young people are not excelling and not prospering and not growing is because us as adults are not following the biblical model, and the biblical model is that I'm supposed to walk with Jesus, I'm supposed to get with God, and then I'm supposed to go and pour into somebody else's life, and I'm supposed to invest into somebody else's life, and if I don't do that, I'm not doing what God told me to do. Now, it's interesting to me that here we have some lay people, lay people, Aquila, Priscilla. Here we have some lay people who have grown so much in their Christian life to the point now that they're instructing others and not just instructing others, but they're instructing young men in the ministry who, by the way, after they instruct them, those young men in the ministry take off. Now, here's my question this morning, and I want to answer this. What were some things that, that, that helped Aquila and Priscilla to grow from tent makers to teachers? So here was a young, here was a couple that, that was growing leaps and bounds in the faith that were helping others. What were some things that caused Aquila and Priscilla to grow so they could go from tent makers to teachers. Well, several things we notice about the passage here. Number one, we notice this. We notice, first of all, they have persevered through terrible hardship. Now, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll run right over that and never see it. I want you to look with me, please, at Acts chapter 18 and look at verse number two there. Notice what our Bible says. The Bible says that Paul comes into Corinth here, verse one, and then verse two. The Bible says, and found a certain Jew named Aquila 
born in Pontius, now watch now, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, watch, because that Claudius, who by the way was the, was the Roman emperor, who was the leader of Rome, who was the conquering force of the world at that time, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And so here's, here's a couple, Aquila and Priscilla. Here's a couple that basically what the Bible's saying is this. They've just been exiled from their homeland. And by the way, you talk about racism. You know why they've been kicked out? Because they're Jews. That's the only reason. Now, there was a persecution against the Christians, and that was part of it, probably part of Aquila and Priscilla's thing as well. But they're kicked out of Rome. All the Jews are kicked out of Rome. And so here Aquila and Priscilla are. You know what? They're kicked out of their house. They're, they're, they have to leave their friends. They have to leave their roots. They have to leave uh, everything they've ever known. Uh, you know what? Is gone. They have no alternative. They have no plan B. They cannot stay in Rome and live. And so they, they are totally uprooted. They have to leave everything behind. And now they're in Corinth. And the Bible says that they're, they're, they're laboring to survive. They're falling back on this making tents. But here's my point this morning. But one thing I noticed about Aquila and Priscilla is that hardship did not affect their spirit. Man, here was, here was a couple who had been through unbelievable difficulties, but you know what, brother? Had a great spirit, and I mean, just loved Jesus and loved the church, and, and here's a young man that comes into the church, and, and you know what? They don't go to him with an attitude like, uh, oh, boy, you better, get, you better go back to Bible college. No, man, they go to him, and they take him under their wing, and they teach him and train him, and that man goes on to become a great servant for God. And uh, wait a minute now, but here's a, here's a couple who's went through unbelievable, Unbelievable problems, yet, 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 they did not allow the hardship to affect their spirit. Now listen to me, church. A lot of people allow hardship to make them bitter instead of better. Now there's only one letter difference in that word, but it's huge. You know what? Something happens. And that something happens, and all of a sudden, you know what? They, they feel like they've been treated unfairly. They feel like God's been unfair. Uh, they feel like that they haven't, they, they haven't got what's, uh, what's due them. And so rather than let that difficulty make them better, they become bitter at God, bitter at the church, bitter at the world, bitter at life. Uh, maybe uh, somebody, uh, you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe a divorce came. And divorce is never, divorce is never good. It's never good. But a divorce came. And because that divorce came, here's somebody that, that just gets bitter at God and bitter at the world. Or, or maybe it was a death of a loved one. Uh, God forbid, but maybe it was a death of a child. Uh, and uh, maybe a mom and a dad had a, a beautiful little boy or a precious little girl. And, uh, and we, we do have some like that in our church. And, and that, that little one was taken by death, maybe cancer or maybe a car accident or, or maybe a birth defect and that, that baby was taken. Now wait a minute, now that's all I'm saying. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, you know what will happen? You'll let old smutty face get up against you and he'll start telling you that life's bad and the devil and, and, and Jesus is not right and God's not fair and the Bible's not true and his grace isn't sufficient and you'll get bitter and you'll get hard and you'll become indifferent. Hey, maybe you lost a job or maybe you didn't get the promotion that you thought you should get. Maybe, maybe the person who started after you got promoted before you. Come on now, church. Amen. And, uh, and you know what? Bitterness begin to sink in or maybe an affliction.
affliction came and bitterness began to come. And this is all I'm saying. Hey, here was a couple who although difficulty had come and hardship had come said, we are not gonna get bent out of shape. We're gonna keep a good spirit. We're gonna stay in love with Jesus. We're gonna stay in love with the church. And God said, hey, I like that. I'm gonna use them. Now listen, you better make sure when difficulties come and when problems come, and here's the thing, they're coming. They're coming. Man that is born a woman is a few days full of trouble. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative or, or morbid this morning, but I'm just telling you, life doesn't get simpler. It gets more complicated. And by the way, I believe, personally, I believe we're living in the last days. And it's, listen, in 25 years of pastoring, it's different now than it was when I started. It's different, brother. I'm telling you, people are different. The age is different. Society is different. I mean, it's different. And you better just go ahead and just go ahead and mark it up right now that problems are going to come. And, and from time to time, sickness is going to come. And from time to time, uh, hardships are going to come. And from time to time, there's going to be job loss. And from time to time, there's going to be issues in the home. And from time to time, there's going to be problems. And there's going to be, there, there's gonna be uh, valleys. And there's going to be storms. But what you've got to do is this. You've got to say, hey, uh, come what may. Come, come what may. I'm going to make sure by the grace of God that I keep a sweet spirit. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Oh, oh man, how he has sent that message to me here lately. He said, son, you keep your eyes on me. Don't you get your eyes on people. Don't you get your eyes on society. Don't you get your eyes on this congregation. You keep your eyes on me because I am the only one who will never fail you and never disappoint you. And by the way, that's absolutely true. Hey, Jesus never fails and Jesus never disappoints. And when the hard times come, we must say, I'm not going to let it change me. I'm going to keep a sweet spirit because I want God to use me. And by the way, it's those people who keep that sweet spirit even in the midst of hardships that God often reaches down and says, hey, I want to use you. I read that story again this week. I'm a, I, I'm a history buff and I love, I love World War II history. He was a fellow by the name of Mitsuo, Mitsuo Fuchida. And Mitsuo Fuchida was a Japanese fighter pilot in World War II. He was the man who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. In fact, if you go back and study, he not only led the attack, but ordered the very bombs that they dropped on our ships there in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. He was the one that ordered the bombs. He was the one that did the logistics and led that that attack on Pearl Harbor. They said that, uh, about Fuchida, they said that he literally idolized Adolf Hitler. In fact, I don't know how anybody could, uh, could idolize Adolf Hitler, but they said he idolized Adolf Hitler, that he wore his hair the same way that Hitler wore his, that he even, even, even though he was a Japanese, that he wore the same type mustache that Hitler wore. That's how much he idolized him. But Fuchida was placed in a POW camp. And while he was there, there was a young lady that would come down each day and she would minister to the needs of those Japanese POWs. Every time this young lady would come down there, she always had a gentle spirit, a sweet spirit, bringing them water, bringing them food, bringing them provision, trying to make sure their needs were taken care of. And Fuchida began to notice this young lady 
was different. There was something that was different about her. So he began to inquire. He actually found out, listen to this now, that when World War II broke out, this young lady's parents were missionaries in the country of Japan. And when Japan declared war against America, immediately the soldiers went to their home and took her mom and dad and beheaded them. And so this young lady had no mama. She had no daddy. They were killed by the Japanese. And yet every day she would come down to this POW camp where this wire was and and she would bring water and she would bring food and she would care for their needs and she would ask them if they needed anything. And they said this. They said that Fujita was so moved by her forgiveness. How? (laughs) You know, how in the world could a young girl like this forgive us? I mean, mom and dad are are gone. They're dead because of us. And and yet she found forgiveness in her heart and has a sweet spirit and a gentle spirit. And they said that Fuchita was so moved by her forgiveness that guess what? He found Christ. The man that led the attack on Pearl Harbor came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. But it don't stop there. Not only did he get saved, but he became an evangelist and began to travel around and preach the gospel. He began to preach Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. And they said that scores and scores of people were saved because of Mitsuo Fuchida. Now, wait a minute. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because there was a young lady who'd been through difficult times and hard times who said, you know what? I'm not going let, to let it change me. I'm not going to become bitter. I'm going to become better. I'm going to stay in love with Jesus. I'm going to stay in love with his word. I'm going to keep loving people. And man, wouldn't it be great if God would give us some people like that at Calvary Baptist Church? You say, preacher, I've got problems. I I know you do. I know you do. And I'm not belittling your problems this morning, but I would say this, man, hang in there and keep a sweet spirit and keep loving the Lord and keep loving people. I keep loving people. But you say, preacher, what in the world caused these these Christians to grow uh, so they could become teachers instead of tent makers? Well, we notice they persevered through difficult times. How about this, number two? Not only that, but I notice, secondly, they position themselves under a strong ministry of teaching and preaching. They position themselves under a strong ministry of preaching and teaching. Now look at verse 11. Acts chapter 18 and verse number 11. The Bible says in verse 11, and he talking about the apostle Paul, and he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Ask you a question. How do you think it would be to sit under the teaching of the Apostle Paul for almost two years? It'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Amen, brother. It would be. I mean, that'd be pretty neat. And here the Bible says that Paul is teaching and preaching, teaching the Word of God among them for almost two years. And Aquila and Priscilla are under that teaching. With great longevity, that's all I'm saying, they stuck They stayed right where the teaching was going on. They stayed. And because they stayed, they grew in the things of the Lord. Now, I propose, Calvary Baptist Church, that there are a lot of churches in Iredell County this morning. But you know what you better do? And you know what I better do? We better position ourselves in a ministry that's strong on the Word. They may have beautiful facilities. They may have multi-million dollar facilities. And by the way, I'm not against that. We're getting ready, Lord willing, to build a beautiful 
facility across the road. It's going to be gorgeous. You're going to love it. But I would say this, just because a church has beautiful facilities does not mean that you and I ought to attend that church. They may have talented people. They may have the best guitar players. They may have the best orchestra. They may have the best piano players. They may have the, 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 the most expensive pianos that money can buy. They may have the best organ players that have ever been. Uh, they may be professors in a music college, and I'm not against any of that, but I'm just saying this. That doesn't mean that you and I ought to attend that church. Listen, they may have the latest technologies. They may have an epic youth center and swimming pools and jungle gyms and, and, uh, and monkey bars and all these things, but here's what I'm saying. Brother, what you and me better do is we better position ourselves in a place, in a place that's strong on the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Doesn't matter where it is. By the way, by the way, you may have to drive a little further to get there. But the difference is worth the distance. Listen, if I have to drive my family an hour one way to make sure that I get us in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church by the grace of God, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I want my family to grow. I want my kids to grow. I want to grow. We learned Wednesday night in the service that the church is designed to be a place of doctrine. Doctrine. That's what that's the model church. Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. What's doctrine, preacher? Teaching. Teaching. The doctrine of heaven. Teaching of heaven. The doctrine of salvation. The teaching of salvation. The correct teaching of salvation. Doctrine. Hey, don't go there just because you've always attended there. If you're going somewhere and they're not teaching the Word of God, you ought to go somewhere else. Now, I know some, 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 some may say, Preacher, I don't think y'all say that. Well, number one, it's too late. I've already said it. But number two, I ain't taking it back because I'm serious about it. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be critical this morning, but I'll hear, I'll hear people say, well, we go to such a church. I say, okay. I, 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 and, uh, and, and then they'll say, you know, nothing's happening. I mean, the church is dead. It's dead. I don't ask. They just say, preacher, preaching's dead. I mean, we don't even sing hardly anymore. It's just, you know, the singing's dead. I mean, it's just choir don't sing. I mean, nobody comes. You know, 10 or, 10 or 12 people, you know, and no youth. And I mean, nothing's happening. And I'll say, well, why you stay? Well, Grandma... Grandma's married in the cemetery out there, and I and uh, now I, listen. I love Grandma. I mean that. I love Grandma. But I'd dig Grandma up, buddy, and take her somewhere else. It's, listen, you know, you know what? And by the way, if your Grandma was saved, if your Grandma was saved, she'll understand. But you know what? Just because Grandma is buried in the cemetery or Uncle Bob's buried in the cemetery is not worth your kids going to hell. It's not, listen, it's not worth your kids going to hell in a handbasket. Brother, you need to get them somewhere and I need to be somewhere and I want my wife somewhere and I want my kids somewhere where there's preaching and teaching, where the teaching of the Word of God is going on. In 2 Timothy, Paul challenged young, uh, uh, Paul challenged young Timothy and he said, Timothy, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. 
Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. John 15.3, now you're clean. How are you clean? Through the word which I've spoken unto you. Psalm 119.9, wherewithal, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Let me tell you what's lacking in our churches. The word's lacking. Man, we got smoke machines and light shows and we've got lasers all over the place. And I'm not, listen, I, that's, that's them, that's not me. I'm, but, I, but I am saying this, brother. If you've got all those things but you don't have the word, you are, brother, you are lacking terribly today. We need the word more than we need lasers. We need the word more than we need a, a smoke show. We need the word, brother. We need the word. We need the word more than we need some kind of epic youth center. We need the word, brother. That's why, That's how we grow. And here was a couple. Here was a couple that were tent makers. They're tent makers. Sewing these camel hides together, making these tents. But yet they had grown so much in the Lord that they're able to instruct these young men in the ministry. How so, preacher? Number one, they persevered through difficult times. Number two, they positioned themselves under a strong ministry of teaching and preaching. Let me at least give you this, this one. And I want all of our young people to hear me on this. You say, preacher, what, what helped Aquila and Priscilla to just take off and start growing in the Lord? Listen to this. Number three, we notice they've partnered themselves with good influence. Now look at Acts 18 in your Bibles and look at verse number 18 this morning. Acts chapter 18 and verse number 18. The Bible says in Paul, after this, tarried there yet a, 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 a good while. He's been teaching the Bible there for a year and six months. But the Bible says in verse 18, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria. So in other words, he leaves this place and goes to Syria. <laughs> I love this next part. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. In other words, you know what they said? We're staying with you. If you're leaving, we're leaving. If you're selling, we're selling. Uh, where do we get our ticket? And Paul says, now listen, Aquila, Priscilla, said, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to Syria. They said, praise We've always wanted to visit Syria. Absolutely. And I'm sure that Paul said, now wait a minute now. You've got a business. You've got a business. You've already been kicked out of Rome. And now, you know what, man? You've picked yourself up, pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, and God's blessed you, and you've got a business going on. And they said, business or no business. If you're going to Syria, we're going to Syria. And if you're selling, you're selling. Hey, what, what boat are you going on? That's the boat we want to go on. And we notice here that they partnered themselves with good influence. And may I say tonight, uh, today, church, if you want to grow, if you want to grow in the things of God, get around others who are growing. Learn what they know. Do what they do. Go where they go. Talk like they talk. And we say this all the time. But we say it all the time because it's true all the time. You will be what you hang around. 
You know why some young people, you know why you have a little bit of a problem with cussing? Because you hang around cussers. Now, you maybe haven't smoked the joint yet. But can I tell you why? Can I tell you why the temptation is there to put a dirty, stinky, smelly thing in your mouth and smoke it? Can I tell you why? Because you're hanging around the dope heads. And when you hang around the drinkers, you're tempted to drink. And when you hang around, listen, when you hang around people that are doing wrong things, you're tempted to do the wrong things. And when you jump in the swimming pool, you never make the swimming pool dry. The swimming pool always makes you wet. And when you constantly run with the wrong crowd and stay with that wrong crowd and do what they do and listen to their talk and watch their actions, listen, don't be surprised that you do the same thing. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Ask you a question, who's your friend? Who's your friend this morning? What, 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 what kind of friend do you have? Adults? How about you? Who's your friend? Are your friends friends who love church? Or are your friends the kind of friends that are always cutting it down, always, the church is always the blunt of their joke. <laughs> you heard the latest one about the preacher? Always cutting jokes about the deacons. Ah, oh, the church, ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, come on, one more won't mean that much difference. I'd go down to Calvary, but I'll tell you one bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, brother, why don't you be consistent then? Put your notice in tomorrow. Because if you think for a half second you don't have hypocrites on the job, you got another thing coming. And so if you, you know what, if you uh, will work with them and if you'll go down here to Golden Corral or, or Sorrento's or uh, K&W or wherever you eat at, there's a bunch of hypocrites in there too. And I'm just saying this, brother, you know what, if that's the case, then get in the house of God where you can get something from God. We have to be careful about the crowd that we run with. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, be not deceived, God said. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In other words, if you run with the wrong crowd, it's going to get you. It's going to get you. I just love this. I love it. Because these folks are not evangelists. This is not Apostle Aquila. These are just lay people in the church who said, boy, we sure love Jesus. And all of a sudden, God reaches into this church and takes these lay people. By the way, as far as we know, they had never been to Bible college, except they were under the Apostle Paul for a long time. And yet God reaches in the church and says, Hey, Aquila, Priscilla, there's a young man just came into the church, Apollos. I'd like you to take him and expound to him the way of God more perfectly. Hey, we're done. Ask you a question. Where are you right now compared to where you were last year in your Christian life? Are you growing in the Lord? That's what I'm asking. Are you growing? Are you growing? Now, if you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I've backed up. Okay, all right. We're glad you're here this morning. I mean that. But I'll tell you what I would do during this invitation. I'd find a place on this altar somewhere, and I'd say, Jesus, I've backed up.
and you know it and I know it, I've backed up. Now, Lord, please help me to get back where I need to be. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I am at the exact same place today that I was a year ago, then you know what? I would find a place on this altar and I would say, Lord, help me to grow. Help me to grow. Nothing wrong with being a tent maker, but you know what? At some point in our Christian life, we ought to progress from tent makers to teachers. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time we've had together today. Lord, help us to grow. Father, help us not to be satisfied. God, we we ought to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we ought to be constantly becoming more like Jesus. Lord, our mind ought to be more like the Lord. Our talk ought to be more like Christ. Father, people ought to see Jesus in us. And Father, every year we live, Lord, they ought to see Jesus in us more Every time they see us, every year we run into them, Father, they ought to see Christ in us. When the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see charity? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Father, help us to have some folks at Calvary who grow, grow, grow in their Christian life. Have thy way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. Real quick.